0: And with that, we are going to continue in our study of Hebrews. We're going uh, line by line, because the Bible says in Isaiah, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, because a night and there a little, God will add unto you. So we've been going over the book of Hebrews, or the letter to the Hebrews, Line by line, and we are up to chapter 7, verse 11. There's a little song I used to uh, enjoy uh, many years ago before I got saved. It was by Commander Cody and his lost planet Airmen. It was called Stealing from 7 So that was, <laughs> we were not saved back then, and we thought, oh, that's great, you know. There's 7-Elevens all over the place, but... Uh, We're not supposed to do that anymore once we get saved. Can you say amen? (laughs) So we're starting at 7-11, and we're going to continue to the end of chapter 7. We looked at the beginning of chapter 7, and uh, the writer talks about Mr. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham uh, when he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So in verse 11... After talking about um, uh, Melchizedek and Abraham and their relationship, how that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham and blessed Abraham, and in the meantime, Abraham gave him tithes, and not only did Abraham give him tithes, but Levi gave him tithes, being in, um, not being born yet, but his genealogy was through Abraham. And then it goes on, so we're going to be talking about this. Uh, Melchizedek in relation to Levi, Levi, the tribe of Levi, one of the twelve sons of Jacob. After they came out of slavery in Egypt, and they're they're in the desert there at, um, at Mount Sinai, they uh, get the ordinances from God on the priesthood, and the priests were to be only from the tribe of Levi and his descendants. And that was supposed to continue forever, but there was a problem with it. And this begins to be described in verse 11. The problem with the Levitical priesthood and the law. Under the Levitical priesthood, the priests were supposed to offer sacrifices for the people and be a mediator or a go-between between the people and God. If you sinned, you would bring an animal. And it had to be a specific animal, had to be a clean animal, had to be perfect animal. And you would, you'd bring that animal uh, to the priest, and uh, you would confess your sin and lay your hands on the animal and transfer your sin to the animal, and then the animal would be killed. And they'd sprinkle the blood all over here and there to make atonement and make you clean. Once a year, the high priest would have to go into the inner sanctuary and make atonement for himself, and for the people on the Day of Atonement. But the problem is, it never made anyone, in verse 11, it says, now, everybody say now, now. Now. If perfection had been attainable, this word perfection, let's see, the laser beam working, there it is, perfection, how many of you are perfect? How many of you are perfectionists? I'm a perfectionist. I like everything to be done just so. That's why it's taking so long to get my house fixed up, been moved in for a year, and it's still not finished. But this word perfection actually uh, J.B. Phillips translates it into spiritual maturity. <clears throat> Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary makes mention that. This is talking about salvation and sanctification, which is separation unto God. The problem is, God is holy. Can you say amen? And we're not. Thanks to Adam. (laughs) Thanks to Adam, we're not holy anymore because sin entered into the world. What does it say? Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God has a higher standard than we do. Can you say amen? And we can't meet that standard by ourselves. All of our righteousness, as Isaiah says, is as filthy rags before God. With apart from your relationship with God through Jesus, all your good works, it doesn't get weighed in the balance. A lot of people have that misconception. Oh, you know, uh," I talked to a young man, oh, I think God's going to weigh my good deeds and my bad deeds. Well, you're going to have to do a whole lot more good deeds, and it's not going to work. Can you say amen? God has a higher standard. It says if perfection or spiritual maturity or holiness had been attainable, if we could do it through Levitical priesthood, the system of offering sacrifices, animal sacrifices, to pay for our sins, under it, it says here, under it, or, as one uh, commentator the oldest manuscripts, according to James and Fawcett and Brown's commentary says, upon the system of, lo- of the law of uh, the priesthood, where the, um, let me see here, if under it, under the system of the Levitical priesthood, the people received the law, if it had been able to make us perfect, what further need would there have been what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron Aaron was a descendant of Levi and then it goes on to say when there's a change in the priesthood there's necessarily a change in the law as well God needed to do something to make it more Better, to put it plainly. (laughs) Malachi chapter 2, verse 7. The priests administer the law. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 7, it says these words The lips of a priest should keep knowledge of the law, and the people should seek the law from his mouth, for the priest is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. How many believe God wants? to speak to us. God wants to speak to us. God wants us to, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of another they will not heed. We need to be able to hear from God, can you say amen? So under the Levitical priesthood, you had to go to the priest, and the priest would give you the Word of God. But thank God, nowadays we have the Word of God for ourselves. So here's the question, why do we need a new priest? Well, the answer is further on in the chapter. In verse 18, it says the law was weak. In verse 11 here, it says perfection is unattainable through the law. The law and the priesthood go together regarding sacrifice for sin. And it's actually, even though it says... Uh, there's a change in the law what this change literally means is that Melchizedek's priesthood was the original priesthood about 400 years or so before the Levitical priesthood you follow me there so what's happened with Jesus is there is a restoration of the correct priesthood so to speak the original priesthood Here's a, a commentary from Dake's annotated Bible. The priestly order of Aaron has been abrogated. It was a big fancy word. My brother Thomas would say abrogate. Do that here and you've got to clean it up. He says... It has been abrogated to make way for the original priesthood, and it made it necessary to change also the law and abolish all its sacrificial offerings. The sacrificial offerings, the offering of the animals, could not bring us to perfection. It could not completely reconcile mankind to God. It could not make us holy, and it could not take away sin In chapter 5, verse 10, it talks about how the blood of Jesus uses that phrase, the writer uses that phrase, how much more shall the blood of Jesus cleanse your conscience to serve the living God? So this fancy word abrogate means, it's a legal term, it means to annul by authority, to abolish or to repeal. So the requirements of blood sacrifices has been fulfilled in Jesus and the ordinances of the Levitical priesthood have been repealed. Can you say amen? Isn't that good news? It's good news to me. That means we'd have to go buy a sheep or a a cow or or anything like that and go have somebody cut its throat and save the blood and sprinkle it all over. And uh, how much does a cow cost? (laughs) How much does a sheep cost? We don't have to do that anymore because Jesus, once for all, paid the proper sacrifice. And as one pastor said, there's not enough sin in the universe to nullify the power and the effectiveness. Hallelujah. And the unquestionable success of Jesus' sacrifice. Can you say amen? Not enough sin in the universe. Every sin was paid for, hallelujah. Past, present, and future. If you happen to mess up while you're saved, it's been paid for. And you can go to Jesus right away and say, forgive me, I'm sorry, help me. And help will be available right then and there. So let's go on. The one whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe. Of course, we're talking about Jesus, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. So how do we know that Jesus was descended from Judah? Because the Bible says so. Matthew chapter 1 gives the genealogy of Jesus. They kept very good records. And I believe they still keep very good records. You can go on genealogy.com and find your genealogy. And here we know Jesus' genealogy was prophesied way back in the book of Genesis. Out of Judah shall come a ruler. Amen? All right. We know the genealogy. However, let's look for just a moment the one whom these things what are these things that are being spoken of first of all um, psalm 110 verse 4 written about 600 years after the law was given by david the king how many know david was also a prophet everybody believed that david the king was also a prophet so this is one of his prophecies. There are many prophecies in the book of Psalms because remember Jesus talked to the two men on the way to Emmaus after the resurrection. He said, what are you guys so sad about? Why haven't you, Are you a stranger around here? You haven't heard about the Jesus? We thought he was the Messiah and they killed him and now somebody says he's risen from the dead and, and uh, Jesus on the way he opens the scripture to them and talks to them about everything in the law and the Psalms pertaining to the Messiah and, uh, and they get to where they're going and he He's going to go on and in the book of Acts, and they invite him. And, no, 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 come stay with us. Some have some to eat, and he breaks bread, he blesses it, and their eyes are open, and they see it's Jesus. And he disappears, and they run back to Jerusalem, and they said, Were not our hearts burning within us when he spoke to us? Glory to God. These things, all the things. Psalm 110 verse 4 says these words. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But how do we know? Because in verse 1 of chapter 110, it says, The Lord said to my Lord. And this we saw in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees and the chief priests, You know, I I got a question for you guys. (laughs) I see Jesus' trick question for the day. (laughs) David calls... The Lord, my Lord, whose son is the Messiah, Jesus asks the, the scribes and the Pharisees, all the, the guys who are supposed to know. So well, he's David's son. Okay. Then Jesus quotes <laughs> Psalm 110. And he says, well, how could he be David's son when David calls him Lord? And they, they don't know. <laughs> it's because Jesus is Lord. And he's trying to get that across to them. And he's still trying to get that across to people all over the world today. Jesus is Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God that Jesus is Lord. Can you say amen? Some people do that voluntarily now. And uh, sometime in the future, everybody's going to do it, whether they want to or not. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. So they changed the law regarding the sacrifice. This one, these things, the changing of the law, came out from among the uh, tribe of Levi and from into the tribe of Judah. Are you following me? Praise God, I hope so. Uh-huh, now look here, he says, the writer says, this becomes even more obvious, more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent or genealogy but by the power of an indestructible life for it is witnessed of him or spoken of him you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek forever so Jesus this change becomes abundantly obvious when another priest arises in the likeness of of Melchizedek. And the order of Melchizedek is the office of the priest, the high priest. Notice that Melchizedek did not receive his priesthood from man, where the Levitical priesthood, the men who were anointed priests, they were anointed by the priest with anointing oil, and they were given their office. Hallelujah. But Jesus, it says here, he has... An indestructible life. The men under the law had a destructible life. They died. They couldn't continue in office. Oh, they had to give it up. Well, I'm dead, so couldn't say anymore. Couldn't give any more <laughs> words from God to the people because they were dead. But Jesus has an indestructible life. He lives forevermore. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Because verse 17 says, It is written of him, you are a priest forever. His office never has a vacancy. You go to Jesus, it's not like he's not there. I still have such a great time thinking about the episode where Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal. And they do all the preparations and, and uh, say, so, okay, you guys go first. Call on Baal, see if he answers by fire. And they're dancing around and jumping and, and uh, nothing happens. And then later on they cut themselves and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and uh, <laughs> Elijah starts making fun of them. <laughs> you're, you're, the office of your God is vacant. <laughs> Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> I love it. It makes fun of them because their God is not real. Praise God! In the Book of Psalms, I believe it's in Psalm One. God, the nations—why do the heathen rage? Why do the nations rage? God will have them in derision. God's going to laugh at people who are, you know, so adamant about oh, we can withstand God. I told a one fellow one time. He said, oh, "I believe in God." I said, "Well, so do the devil, and he trembles. <laughs> well, you don't see me trembling." No, not yet. (laughs) Praise God, and I hope you get saved before you have to do. Praise God. But notice here, you are a priest forever. His office is never vacant. Glory to God. Now in verse 18, we have two contrasts. On one hand, and the other hand. On the one hand, a former commandment is set aside. This is a legal term. uh, Not too long ago, we had one of our apprentice carpenters uh, had a conviction, and he wanted his voting rights restored. So the president of our union and myself, we went to the courthouse with him, and the president presented a letter to the judge, and the judge was very impressed, and his conviction was set aside so that he could have his right to vote restored. Praise God. It was abrogated because... It says here, is abrogated or set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. In a way, it was, they called it, it's called useless because it was ineffective in making anyone permanently or perfectly holy or spiritually mature. It made nothing perfect. It was weak because it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, you know, when God showed Moses the tabernacle in heaven, and then he tells him, okay, now go back down and make it according to the pattern. So what he had was a reproduction, kind of like a toy gun. It looks like the real thing, but there's no bullets in it. Moses came down and they made the reproduction. Praise God. The law was a reproduction of the real deal in heaven, which we'll get to in a little bit here the real deal, the law made nothing perfect because the real holy thing and holiness is in the heavens, hallelujah. But thank God that Jesus came to bring it down here to us in what the scripture here calls a better hope. Glory to God. Meanwhile, it was ineffective. It didn't bring true holiness, but the good news is this better hope is introduced. That's Jesus through which we draw near to God. You and I can be as close to God as you want. It's up to you and I. God reaches out to us. It's up to us to reach out to him. Can you say amen? You can be as close to God as you want. And then goes on to say, verse 20, it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made priests without an oath. They were anointed with oil. They were prayed over. And they received their office or their position through heredity. But this one, who was Jesus, he was made a priest with an oath. By the one, which is God the Father, who said to him, the Son, the Lord is sworn. How I many you know, isn't that wonderful? God makes a promise and he doesn't relent. He doesn't change his mind. He says, oh, well, made a, I made a mistake with you. He promised eternal life to us. He promised never to leave us or forsake us. And we're down here on earth saying, oh, God's forsaken me. I can't feel God. I can't see what God's doing. And we think his promises failed, but God never fails. Can you say amen? God is faithful. There's an old song I remember. There was a a blind uh, musician. His name was Reverend Gary Davis. He was a jazz musician. And he got saved and he no longer played jazz music. And he would go out on the streets and play. And sing. And he was discovered by the folk uh, movement back in the 60s. Uh, and uh, they they said the the, the notes in the uh, uh, album that I, I bought, Reverend Gary Davis, when you went to a concert with Reverend Gary Davis, it was like going to church. <laughs> Praise God. And he had a song. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be there in all your troubles. I'll help you in all your troubles. I'm with you always. In your eleventh hour, I'll not deny you. Praise God. Isn't that good news? God never leaves nor forsakes us. And the point is that his promises, or when he swears something, it's going to, you can count on it. Hallelujah. This one, those guys The old priests were made priests without an oath. They were made priests with the anointing oil. But Jesus was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. And this is what he says about Jesus. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. This word guarantor, you'll never guess what it means. (laughs) It means to pay the bail for somebody. Hallelujah. We were slaves to sin. Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. But if the Son of Man pays your bail, hallelujah, sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Can you say amen? that doesn't mean you'll never face temptation that means you'll never that doesn't mean you'll never stumble but it does mean that you're free that you can uh, look to Jesus and 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 be saved and continue in well doing and when you stumble that you get up back up and you continue on because he's never going to leave you nor forsake you hallelujah he paid the bail of a better covenant Glory to God. There were certain sins under the law of Moses that you did not confess because they give you the death penalty. You, you said you did a certain sin. You couldn't come to the high priest and say, hey, man, I did this. And, oh, okay, well, we'll take you out to the, the cliff, and uh, we'll stone you with stones until you're dead, and that's it. See you. No hope for you. Thank God we have a living hope in Jesus that if you fail, you can come to Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Lord of God. Let's go on. Verse 23. The former priests were many in numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. They died. Somebody had to take their place. But Jesus, hallelujah, holds his priesthood, priesthood permanently because he continues he lives forever thank god we have a living god not a dead god he's not some statue somewhere that you pray to and hope your prayers get answered he's a living god can you say amen hallelujah he made the only true atonement for sin is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. For there's only one God and only one mediator between God and mankind. And that's Jesus Christ who gave himself, hallelujah, as an offering for sin. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13. But now. Say now. Can you say now? Now. Everybody say now. In Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? The way to get in Christ Jesus is to get Christ in you. That puts you in Christ Jesus. Amen. In Christ Jesus, you and I, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Glory to God. His office is never vacant. And he lives forevermore. He lives forevermore. Always lives to make intercession for us. This word intercession means literally to fall in with. You want to fall in. You don't want to fall in with the bad crowd. You want to fall in with the saved crowd. Can you say amen? It also means to meet with in order to talk according to Vine's Dictionary. It means to intercede with or to intercede for. It means to defend. Jesus is our defender. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It means to pray. Jesus is praying for you and I. Hallelujah. It means to assist. I don't know about you, but I need God's help every moment of the day. It means to plead the cause of another, according to Dake's commentary. Jesus is praying for me and for you. That's good news. Can you say amen? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says that we come to Jesus. We're like living stones. Oh, no, he's the living stone. Rejected by men but chosen and precious. And you and I also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house. We're also built up as a holy priesthood. And we offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, you can come to, G- to God. Hallelujah. Then we'll close with the last few verses. This is kind of a funny way they phrase it. It was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. I like the way J.B. Phillips translated. Here's the high priest we need. This is what we need. The world needs Jesus. Can you say amen? It's fitting that we should have such a high priest. Here's the one we need. Here's his qualifications. He is holy, he is innocent. Or one translation says, he's blameless, he's harmless. And the princess pride there, they've captured the princess and they're on the boat. And Fezzik turns to Inigo and he says, I think uh, Vesini is short on charm because he is trying to do her some harm harm. But Jesus is not doing us any harm. He's harmless. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? What a blessing. No offense ever to anyone did Jesus ever make. And why do people reject Jesus? Because they love something else besides God. They love something else besides Jesus. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And how many of us are able to do that 100% of the time? Not me. (laughs) I get distracted easily, praise God. But thank God that he loves us like that 100% of the time. He's harmless. It goes on to say, he's unstained. There's nothing undefiled about him. He's pure. He's clean. Isn't that the greatest thing? You can come to Jesus and be made clean before him. Hallelujah. Most people walk around when they're convicted by God and the Holy Spirit or condemned by the enemy, walk around saying, unclean, unclean. The lepers had to yell that out as they walked through town. Unclean. So people would stay away from them. But glory to God, the lepers came to Jesus and he cleansed them. And it's the same with you and I. He cleansed us. Thank God you don't have to cleanse yourself uh, to come to God. Jesus cleanses you and I. He is also separated from sinners. He sinned never, ever. Glory to God, he was tempted in every way that you and I will ever be tempted. And never sinned. And now... He is exalted above the heavens. Goes on to say, He has no need like those other high priests to offer sacrifices daily. Under the law, they were supposed to make a sacrifice in the morning for the whole nation and a sacrifice in the evening for the whole nation. As a matter of fact, it was the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah drew near and called on God and God answered by fire. The time God gets involved in the offering. Can you say amen? Praise God. He doesn't have to do that. No longer need to make sacrifices every day. First for their own sins, because Jesus didn't have no sins. And then for those of the people. Jesus did this once for all when he offered up himself. One sacrifice. Perfect forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. He gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, When we were still without strength, the law was weak, it said. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. How many know this world is pretty ungodly sometimes? There's so much going on, it just blows my mind sometimes. Excuse me. Hallelujah. He offered himself up for us. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 15, it goes uh, through a, a, a few sentences there. It basically says that Jesus tasted death for us. <clears throat> he knows what it's like to be a human. But he was God at the same time. And because he became a human, he's able to comfort us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Even the best Christian fights temptation. Because it says here, the law points men in their weakness as high priests. But the law is done away with. We don't need no more high priests because they weren't perfect. But Jesus is. Hallelujah. And it goes on to say, but the word of the oath, God's promise, came later than the law about 600 years after appoints a son who has been made perfect forever how did he become perfect by going to the cross paying the price hallelujah without we were without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly hallelujah next week we're going to Look into chapter 8. The main point of the things we are saying goes on to describe the high priest. And all of that goes with it. But all of this is said to say this, that everyone needs a Savior. That Jesus is that Savior. He was promised. God made an oath. God swore, God made a promise he was not going to change his mind that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Those coexist bumper stickers are nice and fancy, but they're not true. Sure, you can coexist, but there is only one way to to, to heaven, only one way to God, and that's through putting your faith, your trust, and your hope in Jesus of Nazareth man approved unto god in the book of acts it says by signs and wonders it's a wonder that i got saved i was an alcoholic i was i was messed up i was i don't even want to tell you god knows and god's forgiven and god's forgotten but it's such a miracle of salvation that jesus When someone first told me, you know what, God loves you, I thought God couldn't possibly love me. God wants to punish me. I pictured God waiting for me to mess up one more time with a big stick. That's it. Pow! I wondered. I read the verse that says, the wages of sin is death. And I wondered, why doesn't God kill me? Because I didn't remember reading the rest of it, that the wages of sin is death. But, and it's a good thing God has that word in the Bible. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. Hallelujah. The gift. Oh, God, have you received the gift, my friends? Dearly beloved, God loves every single one of us. God loves sinners. Have you received the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning in prayers. No one's looking around. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus as your Savior or if you're watching online or if you're backslidden, you've turned from God, God still loves you. The Bible says God is married to the backslider. Return unto me, God says. Hallelujah. And I will receive you. If that's you this morning, not to embarrass anyone. Hallelujah. But to pray with you. Out of a love, God wants to touch lives this morning. If that's you this morning, you just slip your hand up, hold it up where I can see it, and God will touch you. Hallelujah. Anyone at all, praise God. Glory to God. We have a high priest. We have someone who cares so much about us, has our best interests at heart because his kingdom is the best thing. We have better promises now. Hallelujah. Uh, With that, let's stand rejoicing this morning and close in prayer.